Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 85. My name is NBZ and despite the internet not wanting this podcast to happen, oh boy, we're goddamn making it happen, oh Bally. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? We're making it happen. We found internet connection. The 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 show must go on. There is there is no scenario, Bali, where it doesn't. So you know we've got to figure out these things. We've got to get them sorted. Um, but uh, none of the fine folk at home want to hear about that. They want to hear us sit here talk about some goddamn video games. They want to hear uh, stuff about the Switch, is what they want to hear about. Well, yeah, clearly. I mean, it's the hottest topic of the moment. Um, but uh, we're just. But it's not here yet. No, we're going to have to, you know, sit it out. We're going to have to wait in our boat um, and uh, cross the wide open seas, um, which I may be hinting to the fact that we're playing Wind Waker now on our we YouTube are. channel. So quick plug there, uh, youtube.com slash this Nintendo Life, me and Bally playing through Wind Waker. It's a fun time so far. Um, so I hope you go enjoy that. But Bally, we're not here to talk about that either. We're here to talk about other video games and other things. Will you please tell people what it is they have in store. For our first segment, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. For our second segment, we're going to be going through a few emails. And, you know, I'm sure that will mention a few Switch-related things. And then for our third segment, uh, we are going to talk about... This was a reference to an email from Toby a little while ago. We're going to talk about our top five games uh, that we want to come to the, the Switch Virtual Console. Yes, indeed. Uh, we have no idea how that's going to shake out. Nintendo have really said nothing about the status of it, whether it's going to be called a virtual console or not. But we know that, you know, they're offering that free NES slash SNES game. So there will be old video games on the Switch. Um, and I think it's an interesting question to talk about because, you know, the Switch being a portable and home console uh, it allows opportunities for us to go ahead and, you know, talk about all these different things. So uh yeah it's gonna be cool uh but before we do all that bally how about you jump in and tell us uh what video games you've been playing this uh last couple of weeks i finished off a video game uh, i've been quite busy again uh but i have finished off a video game and that's runbo i completed the single player you obviously completed this as well mbz and talked about it yeah, i think i talked about it at the end of last year yes um I actually enjoyed the end of this single player campaign quite a bit more than the start. I think the start felt incredibly bland. Um but the ending felt satisfyingly tough and and not overly like mind-boggling tough but still I, I do remember that it starts to ramp things up uh as Oh, it ramps up fairly fast it feels. Well, like. it it's really weird though I think Bally because the de- the difficulty is kind of self-inflicted in the sense that when you're going across these tiles and kind of moving to uh you know each kind of corner so that you can fight the specific boss level yeah. um you can kind of take a roundabout route and just go on green tiles if you, as much as you can and i think there's obviously a, a point at which you have to like take on harder challenges in order to get there but there is a way for you to modify your own difficulty but i imagine because you want to you know get to the end of this you're probably going to take the path of least resistance which means just going through those harder levels to get there faster instead of taking a roundabout route yeah definitely and i didn't get anywhere near 100 percent and get you right i just sort of took a few corridors and got to these final boss stages um but even sort of the four boss stages and then sort of the fifth final boss of the whole game you might say um really those five levels really satisfying um and it's sort of made up of 
uh, a moving screen. So you beat a few areas, you get to a point, and then it becomes like a fixed screen challenge where sort of the final boss is just standing at the top right of the screen and you're having to platform through some complicated uh situation scenario uh in order to get to the final boss and like give her a big punch and like that's how you beat each level so i i I did think those stages were very satisfying and you know i sort of got into hard hardcore mode stuck on a podcast and just sort of sat down and said right i'm gonna beat this game and then some of those levels just took took a good 15 20 minutes some of them actually so it was it was good. I, I did like that. Uh, and it was so, like, part of the game I wasn't expecting. Um, so Yeah, I, don't, I find the interesting thing about Runbow is that both of us can play this game and we can both come away with it with different experiences. Like, there's we can't guarantee that we've both played the same levels, right? Exactly. So you may end up in a scenario where I got more duds than you did, and so you might have a more positive impression. I, don't, I, I just find that a weird and interesting quirk to the game, the fact that it just offers you the smorgasbord and is like, hey, kind of make your own adventure out of it. I don't know. I find that interesting. Yeah, and it's something I can imagine that developers are very scared to do because ultimately we've both missed parts of the game but still completed the game. So it's a bit sort of... Like there might be some of the best levels in the game that we just never played. Precisely. So it does sort of hint at the fact that maybe less... I don't don't want to say innovation. I'm I'm not trying to criticize developers, but less money spent arguably has been put into each level versus in order to create a lot of differential aspects to each level versus i don't know some other 2d platform which is a more linear structure in terms of levels uh but no it is is a cool thing and i it would be good to try this game out with the full multiplayer at some point uh i don't know how to achieve that and hopefully i guess it could come to switch and have i don't know We'll see. I mean, but, when you think about Switch being a like eight different devices can connect to one another, that is pretty much what Rumbo has the capacity to do, right? So mm. that would be cool. And I think like you're looking at a lot of partners that Nintendo have in the indie space. Uh, just recently, um, I can't remember the studio's name. They make World of Goo and Little Inferno, which is uh, was a Wii U kind of launch game that I played uh, back when there was really nothing to play on Wii U at all, um, and they are porting all three of their games to switch day one so oh, I, oh yes. the tomorrow corporation i think they're called um so yeah so you're gonna have little inferno world of goo and that other weird game which is basically programming that I, james jones talked about on rfn a while ago uh which i have no interest in because it seems like a nightmare yeah world of goo looks cool and i never picked that up on wii so yeah world of goo was like one of the flagpole titles for the wii u shop channel or the wii shop channel yeah. should i say um and I remember, yeah, it was like, hey, this is a really cool thing. And I've owned it on Steam forever, haven't got into it. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, PC gaming, uh, you pay a lot up front. A game on Steam you've never played. What a no, I know. But it's like you pay, you pay all this money up front for PC and then you just sit there and bathe as they fucking like wash buckets over your video games and you just can't play any of them. Um, but yes, I would, I would agree that I think uh, this would be cool on Switch. And I think that Nintendo have been saying like yeah we're, we're getting you know these independent people on board and you have those you know quote-unquote nindies who yeah. uh you know like to bring everything or even a runbow 2 or something i can definitely see that coming. right so. or just like a you know deluxe edition deluxe or something HD, yeah who knows uh, so i mean you that, know you've got um uh, shinnan doing fast rmx which is essentially that so yeah uh, makes sense lots of possibilities uh so that's another game that i played and beat uh and then i 
You know, I'm not. I'm not playing enough long games at the moment. MBZ. I'm not playing long and tough games. Not that I've got like. Well, that's because you don't like doing that, Bally. I've heard that you just don't have any appetite. I've not got like Fire Emblem Conquest and Pokemon Sun on the go or anything. But I decided to start just start another long game because why not? You know. Uh, so I started up Majora's Mask 3D. Um, yeah. I don't really know why. Should we? It's a bit tough. (laughs) I think, like, you decided this, and this was after we'd already had a conversation, being like, yeah, we don't really have much time before Breath of the Wild comes out. And me personally, like, I talked about Oracle of Ages on the show, and I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it was fun, it was all right. And then I'm like, I don't want to play Seasons because I'm like, oh, I just don't want to play one of those again. I've just done it and it just feels like I can't be bothered. Mm, yeah. Then there's Majora's Mask, which seems like a longer game. And I'm I'm currently playing a bunch of long games. It's an incredibly daunting game. Yeah. So like why you decided to do this after we <laughs> like we made our pact. Let's be every Zelda before Breath of the Wild. And then we realized now we really don't have time to do that. Yeah. And I think actually, to be honest, it would be an, a more fun and interesting conversation if we do it later this year once we've played Breath of the Wild. So I think that's probably what we're going to do. But in spite of all that, Bally, you still decided to play Majora's Mask. Yeah, so and I mean, it, I'm, I don't feel like I'm going to beat this game very soon because I'm only like three three hours in or so, and it's already so stressful. Like, so I, I think, absolutely... Bally, I think partially this is because you haven't decided to use that uh, song that slows down time. Right, I, that very... will definitely like that. Literally doubles the amount of time you have to do shit, which is huge in this game. Absolutely, and I'm. I do like trying to go into Zelda games guide free, and I have been guide free so far, and I've got to the start of the first dungeon. Uh, and the start of this game is not difficult; like it really isn't. It's very simple. It's it's very. So you play through the first cycle of of three days, and right. then story stuff happens and then you start your next cycle and i'm at the end of that second cycle so it's not even like i've experienced sort of like my own cycle start and having to think about where to go next and how to manage my time uh because i'm sort of have taken a linear path of where the game is guiding you through those first stages and this game is just has the craziest story it's obviously incredibly dark i already think it's far darker than twilight princess and things like that it's just the animations when you put on masks and take off masks and some of the characters in this game, especially the mask seller, like, it's... I can't believe the... I mean, obviously it's an N64 game, but I just can't believe the artwork and, like, the sort of demented looks on the faces of even of even young Link when he's just, like, taking these masks on and off. And There's this weird, like, stretchy thing that happens, oh, isn't it? so... And there's, like, a screaming noise and it's just ridiculous so you start the game and then you're wandering through clock town and loads of people have always said this about clock town but it was immediately sort of struck me as wow i really like this place this is already up there with you know like windfall island as some of my favorite zelda locations ever oh and wow definitely already i really enjoy clock town um, is it is that partially to do with the music which you can hum along to the Nintendo music Cabo is fan- the music is yeah the music is fantastic and this has been said a number of times but as the days go on and you get closer to the fall of the moon it gets darker and they start to mix in minor notes with major notes oh, yeah and it's very it's cleverly done and if you start forgetting about the time uh and wandering around clock town just sort of doing errands and unlocking things you'll eventually be like oh 
actually, why is the noise, why is the music so negative? And then you hear yeah. the, the minor chords and then you look up and then, oh my, oh my God, the, the moon is a, a lot closer. So there's just something about that moon that is just insane. Like, I cannot believe that this is a Nintendo game, to be frank. It's really just... And, like, I knew all these things about Majora's Mask, but I've never actually experienced it. And when you're actually experiencing it and you're feeling these these things... The first location, for example, uh, the Deku Palace, another fantastic location, I must say. And it's great just seeing sort of all the Deku Deku scrubs and things, like, have a, have their own little town in place. I, I like that a lot because traditionally in Zelda, they're obviously the en- main enemy. And you're obviously playing as a Deku uh, scrub for the start of this game. So... Kind of like infiltrating uh, their own uh, Exactly. You're you're infiltrating them, and it's very clever infiltration mechanics. Like, oh, we don't trust you. You're a human. Right, right. put on your Deku mask. Right now, they trust you. So very simple (laughs) things like that. But it's very sort of like, oh, that's satisfying. Um, So I love all these things about the game. It's got so much character, and I do like how dark it is, as as uncomfortable as it makes you. It's very satisfying. Uh, what I'm scared about is the stress levels of this game and that even though this is the 3DS remake, it's not making it clear enough in my mind and I'm, I don't want to criticize the game before I've even played it, but it's not making it clear enough when I'm going to rewind time what I'm going to keep and what I'm, what I'm going to lose. And right. I'm very scared as to going off... I feel like you can just waste a ton of time with this game and likewise, I think that for speedrunners, they can probably beat this game exponentially faster because of the fact that if you know where you're going you you save an exponential amount of time versus a linear more linear game such as ocarina of time so it's it's really interesting to see how you you treat each day and like i just sort of mentioned this word before we started recording it's the harvest moonification (laughs) where i don't really understand so what i mean is that when you wake up in the harvest moon game or stardew valley whatever you want to call it um you there's only a certain amount you can achieve in that day and then you know you gotta okay. go back to sleep so when you start when you rewind time and you start your day in majora's mask there's only so much thing there's only so much you can complete before you have to rewind time or like you wouldn't have go back to sleep mm-hmm. um and i'm concerned that later in the game it's going to get incredibly complicated what i'm meant to be doing uh if i muck up one little thing i'm gonna have to rewind time and go for it again so like I am really liking it and I really want to play a lot of more of this game before we record next time because I think it's a fascinating game and it's not it's not siding with oh my god this is amazing so far oh my god this is horrible I'm I'm obviously way too early to to say anything like that but I'm just really intrigued to see uh where this goes so I'm I'm not saying much about it for now but I'll leave it there um and hopefully yeah, um, talk about it soon I really do think that when you have that or slow down time thing i believe it's like three hours you get for a full cycle from that and quite frankly three hours is a huge amount of time you know like it doesn't seem like you necessarily need to be worried and you know regarding the stuff that you lose i think generally it's key items like masks that you get and obviously things like you know hook shots and and main like weapons and dungeons that you will keep so that stuff you don't have to worry about but uh, I, I know there's the mechanic of having to put money in the bank. Uh, you have to do that. 
Um, so I, I don't really know like what minor items there really are aside from you know filling up your quiver with arrows and having bombs like it's the, it's the inconvenient things you know uh, the stuff that you would need going out off and finding and exploring yeah, stuff which and... is like oh man I'm starting again and I don't have any bombs or arrows or any of this shit that's just I think that's just the kind of um, design factor that is the most frustrating about it yeah sure and I've not experienced that yet so I'm, I've got all that to look forward to uh, but We'll see where I go. We'll see. But MVZ, okay. what have you uh, been playing, finishing off, starting? Uh, I've, uh, you know, I play a lot of video games and I've been grazing, as I was kind of telling you before we started recording. I mean, you know, I, was, I played a bit of Titanfall 2 last night. I love that game, just jumping back in. And it's really weird because you would expect someone like me just jumping back into an online shooter a couple of months in to get fucking destroyed because you imagine that the only people left playing are like the professionals right the people who really are into it and are just going for it and it's really weird i think maybe just because the result of titanfall 2 having a lot of sales recently um because of it being discounted um or just like good word of mouth there's a lot of new players on there i see a lot of like level 10 people i'm like wow this is really weird and and for that reason like i'm kind of able to go in there and i had a match like the other day where i was i went like 15 pilot kills uh two titan kills and 56 minions and i I won uh, i was on the winning team and i was number one and i was like shit man i'm fucking owning this and uh that feels good i don't know there's something about titanfall 2 that is just feels fluid and fast and so much fun to play like there are times probably when i just need good mechanics to to give me a high you know like mm. i just need to need to get that feel out of my system um and that's you know why i love metroid fusion so much because i feel like i can just pick that game up at any time and it just feels good um so that's what titanfall 2 has been doing for me so that's uh you know that's my grazing bit on the side but what i really did was i finished up donkey kong country tropical freeze uh which was a lot of fun i really enjoyed going through it and i think uh i'm not sure i necessarily agree with you that the theming gets consistently better every time um Mm -hmm. it's different and it's varied and i particularly like the the kind of juice level uh, especially the um the barrel section where you're going past all these like fruit that are flowing down this river and And the camera kind of changes doesn't it and you're like yes it does behind yeah yep uh and you have this like boxing guy who's trying to punch you and that guy was a little bit awkward to get past but like i really like the idea of these guillotines like chopping the fruit in half and you going through the empty holes and just the theming as i've already discussed is just on point the african like savannah theming it's just uses lion king the giraffes that you jump over yeah love it did you like the underwater world okay yeah you just reminded me i haven't i don't actually have this in my notes uh, you're wrong. Those levels are terrible. Um, terrible. This is, that is the worst part of the game by far. Do, do you not like escaping the octopus? No, look, I'll tell you what the problem is, Bali, is that this game is a game you play with the D-pad all the time. I 100% don't. of the time, it's a game you play with the D-pad. I and don't. I, I killed this game as a D, with a D-pad. I found it so much fun to play that style. As soon as I hit the water levels, I'm like, fuck, I have to change the analog stick. And I of didn't course. like it one bit um you like the game is not well designed you cannot play that game with just a d-pad it feels horrible in the water sections and i feel that is a failing like if you're going to design a 2d platformer it has to feel good with a d-pad all the time and i really feel they fucked up i don't know how you make a d-pad feel good underwater though because the way that donkey kong moves is he is designed to for the fluidity of analog control underwater Exactly, and so I, I feel like he shouldn't have it. been designed in that way. Like you can play Mario games underwater with a D pad, right? You know that that's they because are designed he, for that. He's 
he's sort of platforming underwater if you know what i mean yeah he's very much kind of avoiding things and going through sections yeah like you, that. You, you repeatedly tap a to rise and yeah. you release a to fall and then obviously the tropical freezes handles completely differently underwater but i see what totally you mean. but man really like those underwater levels were not fun for me you know and that's the thing like i think a lot of this game is so strong on theming i think that's the weakest theming of all of really? the uh, I levels I uh <laughs> i found the mechanics were frustrating and annoying and made me stress more than other parts of the game did uh, obviously you don't have the reliance of your secondary character to really do anything significant underwater um or at least i think you told me there was something they do but i couldn't figure it out uh, so that didn't help whatsoever and and th- that boss is terrible. That boss is a pain in the ass. The underwater and... boss is hard. Yeah. You're right. Like, yeah. why did you do that? Like, underwater is. I like those sections in other levels, like in the kind of um, the roller coaster place where you're like dipping under and jumping over. Mm. That's fine. But when you design a whole thing around it and it's just. It's frustrating and not interesting to me personally. That was by far the lull in the game where I was like, mm, I, this, "Come on, retro! This is not this is not up to the standard of the rest of this game." Um, and you know, I I just feel you should stay away from that shit. I, I continue to say there is no video game aside from Abzu, which isn't really a precision, you know, like platforming style. It's not a mechanics-driven game, right? Like Abzu is a, a serene underwater kind of smooth experience. There, is, I don't think that there is a skill-based game where mm. underwater has been nailed. I don't, I don't think, think this game does it. I, I as much as so, I, I think the underwater levels are good. I don't think they're the, they're the best bit of the game, but I think that the the en- the type of enemies and the level design is not as precision based as the on land stuff on purpose and i think it actually handles that fairly well in my opinion like in terms of the way it feels and you don't have to be as precise as you do when you you are on land and the game knows that yeah it it does but it's also not fun is the way i come down on it you know like Perhaps. it just didn't didn't yeah. do anything for me so, so i mean ultimately... you never worked out the, the the specials of each extra character though i don't i I don't get that. Uh, Bally, I can't remember what button you, it is off the top of my head, but we recorded a RIP Wii U segment for this game, and you couldn't even remember to tell me then. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know what you're supposed to do. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I went through, and uh, turns out there's only six worlds, uh, main worlds that is, which uh, I think is shorter than Returns, uh, which. I was like, oh, that's a little disappointing. And the fact that the seventh world is hidden behind supposed unlockables and collectibles is... I I don't... Here's the thing. And this is weird because in a game like Mario 3D Land, for whatever reason, I was compelled to go back through and I I beat every level as Luigi and did all that crazy shit. Uh, But for whatever reason with this game i once i've seen the credits roll i'm out you know i'm bounced i'm i'm onto another thing and i as much as i enjoyed it it just i i kept going through these worlds and seeing these levels that i wasn't unlocking because of the secret exits and i was like man i feel like i'm missing out on some good levels and some good content and and i have to go out of my way to do it and i just can't be bothered you know i just i couldn't muster the enthusiasm to just go out of my way to replay a level again just to find some weird thing to to unlock this place and and that sucks because i think like there is good stuff probably hidden there that i'm not going to experience because i just can't go out of my way to do it i didn't did you go after those hidden exits i know you're not a fan of them as you've said many times on the show but i know you love this game so yeah i did um i did and i 
I prefer the hidden exit. Well, I prefer the extra levels in Returns than Tropical Freeze because of the fact that they aren't hidden exits. I, I right, like because you can just better. buy the key and unlock right, you them. You buy the key and you just do it. I just prefer that. Um, some of the hidden exits here are a bit intricate and over the top. And while I don't like the hidden exits themselves, I like the extra levels that you get as a result. Yeah. Of them. And I did go through and do all those because I did want to complete it. Um, I've not unlocked all the extra worlds. I think I did it for World 1, but stopped after that. Uh, and you sort of do get like an extra level, which is just unbelievably hardcore and difficult. But uh, yeah. I like that that's there in the game. It, it's definitely not for everyone. Uh, and I totally get that you don't want to go back and do all that. I mean, I haven't done that yet. And I love this game. Exactly. So, yeah. Like it's, it's for the, you know, the, the completionists, the the people who maybe don't do a podcast every two weeks that need to totally <laughs> need to keep up with a few different games but yeah. uh, it's good that but man yeah this is um this is one of the best Wii U games for sure i was uh, i was very impressed by it i think it's it's probably the best platformer on the system aside from rayman legends um i think i like legends more just because uh, I don't know. There's something about the aesthetic of that game and the mm. the feel of it and the flow of it that that speaks to me more. Um, but I think this game is certainly better than Super Mario 3D World. Um, and mm. I know that I'm maybe a dissenting voice on that game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good, and I'm I'm really glad I played it because. I, th- I think this was a result of you know forcing me to start it when we did that uh, that video, <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, I guess I've started this now. I might as yeah. well go through it. Um, but it's it's also one of those things where I think this year I want to try and focus on just playing video games that I I know people really like and are very good, and that means that I don't think I'm going to really go and try to do all these humble bundle things and try to do all these weird Steam games. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to play good video games this year. I think because I feel like mm. I want to do that. There's um, a lot of good video games coming. There are, yeah, and you know, I I just I just want to be you know in some good things all the time. So that's that's my thing. Uh, so speaking of good video games, uh, let's talk about Dragon Quest Eight Bally, uh, which is more Dragon Quest. Yeah. Um, so at this point, I've I beat Dragon Quest Nine on DS a while ago, uh, and I just beat Dragon Quest Seven. So you may think, what an insane person to go from a sixty-hour RPG into right into another one. But you uh, are an insane person. I am an insane person, clinically uh, approved, of course. Why did I choose to play this game now? Why did I not do it later? I don't know, to be honest. I Why did I start Majora's Mask? Yeah, exactly. Like We're like, oh, why do we do this? I don't know, just because they just seemed like a fun we're thing We're already to do. playing games when we start more. Yeah, it's it's sort of that buzz thing. It was also... Um, so, so I bought this game not expecting necessarily to play it right now, but more for the idea that it was a, at a good price. And games like this on 3DS don't necessarily drop in price that often. And I know it's one that I would like to have in my collection eventually. Uh, so because I got a good deal on it, I basically just went for it. Um, you know, there's things like Bravely Default out there, which is still like 34.99, and they haven't dropped at all, which understandable because they're good games. But, you know, um, that, that was my rationale essentially behind buying it. Uh, but why I'm playing it, I think it's a lot of people are playing it now because it's just come out and it's kind of that you know buzz. It's kind of hey, it's the it's the hot thing right now on a Nintendo platform. So uh, all the community is kind of getting behind it and Meverse and all that stuff. Even though ironically, I don't think I've ever posted a Meverse thing for it yet. Uh, but I'm I'm maybe like eight hours or so in, um, and me getting that far was also prompted by the fact that Nintendo World Report have been saying they're going to do like a book club style thing on Dragon Quest Eight. They're going to do like videos like uh, breaking it down like every six eight hours they're gonna like talk about everything and i was like oh that'd be fun to like play along with so i've decided to do that 
Um, and I have uh, some thoughts on it, some uh, positives, some negatives, uh, all in between. But Dragon Quest VIII, if you don't know, is probably heralded by most people as the best game in the Dragon Quest series. Uh, I say most people would say that five and eight are the two best games. Um, so high expectations going into it. The first thing that off the bat, Bally, ticks me off, no 3D in this game. Uh, and we've talked... What? about how sun and moon were an annoyance for you that they didn't have that yeah but uh, x and, and how... y didn't have 3d and then sun and moon didn't have 3d where yeah seven has 3d right it does yeah seven That's does have 3d thing. but the thing is seven came out three years ago in japan uh it took so long for it to be localized bali and so seven came out in a period of time when the 3ds like everything was about 3d like you had to have it in your game it was a big deal so i understand why they at this point in the life most people are not like us and i don't understand why because I don't, yeah i know what you mean like, I don't get it either. It drives me insane that people say they don't play in 3D because the game just looks worse playing in 2D. It just straight up does. And I, I don't understand these people who are like, I can't I can't do it because the game suffers and it sucks because this game looks great. But fuck me, would it look amazing in 3D? Like there are moments in Dragon Quest VII where I was like, man, this art style pops so well with this 3D in it. And it's really like dragging it down for me in, in a way that is kind of irrational but also just like man what the hell are they doing it may be yeah. um maybe a factor of the fact that you know it's a ps2 game and so getting it to look kind of similar to that while also having 3d could have been a strain yeah. on the system it might yeah. have been like a hyrule warriors situation well yeah. don't don't go like that because hyrule warriors played like fucking garbage on old 3ds and i would <laughs> rather have a situation where just runs well it then runs. it's you know Absolutely. trash so so i'm not gonna like go overboard on it but um yeah like this great sweeping overworld like looks really nice and and it, i don't think it looks as good as dragon quest 7 which was released three years ago simply because it doesn't have 3d uh, and that sucks it's it's a real bummer for me um but you know aesthetics uh, uh, in, in other departments the overworld music is, is really great it's grand and and sweeping and has that dragon quest feel to it but a, a kind of a sense of majesty that i don't think dragon quest 7 had dragon quest 7 felt more homely and more kind of uh, jolly and kind of you know um not quite as epic and, and grandiose and i think this game does a good sense of offering you scale uh but also giving you that kind of you know dragon quest feel which is which is awesome and and the overworld i remember johnny metz talking about this on rfn years ago about you know i think he was talking about dragon quest 9 at the time kind of comparing it to 8 and how how in 8 you had these kind of really big open spaces to run around in and you could kind of see off in the distance where you needed to go and i think it does a good job of that where i disagree with him is i feel like the game is very empty like a lot of these places are just kind of grasslands that stretch out and there may be a treasure chest every once in a while but there's not really much else but again like that's something that i'm not necessarily down on because you know we've talked about how people are worried about zelda breath of the wild being too bare and not having enough in it and i think that there is a good thing to be taken from that in the sense that there is a sense of you know exploration and journeying across this big wide expanse and i have felt that sense of a journey from dragon quest 8 like getting from one town to the other 
takes a long time and i think i appreciate that aspect because it really feels like when you finally drudge up to an inn you feel like yeah i need a break i need to rest here because i've been going for a while and i think that that's that's a cool thing that games can do is like give you that sense of um that that you're 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 tired that you've been somewhere and that you've done something like that so mm. that's cool i think it's something that a lot of games you know uh they try and do it but don't necessarily nail but um but yeah that so that so that's nice the big thing that i think differentiates this game from 7 is the voice acting um and to make another zelda comparison i think that the way that i'm excited for breath of the wild is similar to if we were going to compare that game to skyward sword right i think skyward sword had a really good narrative probably one of the best zelda narratives overall like it was well written it had some really great characters like i love Groose. i think that the stuff with um girahim is amazing girahim's such a expressive amazing character and it kind of sucks that that game doesn't have that level of polish with voice acting and you're like man skyward sword would actually be really impressive if it did have that and i feel the same way about dragon quest 8 to dragon quest 7 where fundamentally the writing is very similar and the problems and scenarios you come up against are pretty you know uh, comparable but it elevates it you know it it gives you an investment it's not the sort of thing where you're kind of maybe skimming dialogue and not getting every element if you're sitting there and listening to the character speaking to you it makes a real difference and it adds a, a sense of attachment to even like minor characters like i just went into this castle and i was uh, there's this king who just lost his wife and, and he's not talking to anyone he's kind of like shut, shut himself inside and everyone's like wearing black um and the, you have this minor character of his maid who's just like to talking to you about how he's not going outside and you need to find someone to help and figure all this stuff out and like that maid character would have just been this weird like random npc in dragon quest 7 whereas now she has a voice attached to her and like something that makes her stand out more to me uh so so i think that is a big deal and i think it's it's well done and the voice acting ballet uh gives me xenoblade vibes because it's all british it's a british voice cast uh, which I think is fantastic, and we don't really see that enough, but it makes sense because I, you know, I, th- I feel it's very tropey, but medieval stuff you're always going to get. Be. Yeah, you know, be. fantasy, medieval, you got to have British voices in there. That's why Game of Thrones, despite being written by an American author, has a British vibe to it because it's based on that kind of history um, and it's it's set in that kind of setting. So hmm. I think that they made the right choice back in the day uh, of giving voice acting uh, that English vibe, which is wonderful and then you know you recognize all these accents and I, as i was saying that i really liked about dragon quest 7 was you could understand those accents through the writing here you don't even need to do that because they you, they're going to talk to you so you can hear it straight up which is good like you can hear the yorkshire accent it's, it's right there uh which i really enjoy um and so yeah overall those elements are fantastic and i think the one thing that i'm down on so far is the battle system because in Dragon Quest Seven, I felt I was able to grind really easily. Enemies were, you know, battles lasted a very short time, and I wasn't overwhelmed. And I really like the class system. I like that I could level up my class independent of my level, and that that would give me skills that I could kind of chain on top of one another. So that by the end of the game, I just had so many different abilities that I could draw on, and and so many options. And this game, I think doesn't do that and it feels more punishing it feels more difficult from the beginning you can die very easily early on you don't necessarily have that much access to healing or items and 
and the system of leveling up is based on skills and so you get a certain number of skill points every time you level up and then you have these different attributes to place them into whether it be sword play or uh, lances like different weapon usages and then you have like some other kind of class specific stuff but you kind of have to commit to something and be like okay i want to invest in this and and maybe down the line it'll pay off but i'm not sure yet because maybe i'll find a really good weapon which isn't the weapon i'm using right now and so i'll I'll have invested all this stuff in swords but what if i find a lance that is way better than any sword i have right so you feel like you're kind of gimping yourself and to some extent people have said oh you can just save up your skill points but saving up your skill points i feel is a pain in the ass as well because if you're saving them up then you're not gaining any progression and the whole point of leveling up in rpgs is get some progression right like obviously i'm getting stronger by by getting my stats higher but i would like to dump points into stuff so i can unlock a new ability you know that's the whole idea of of what makes jrpgs fun and so i think so far that system is a little bit annoying to me um and then the enemies just seem to have way more status effects that fuck you up uh they need to they seem to be in like larger numbers than usual um so that stuff has kind of grinded my gears but it hasn't really been enough to take away from from the good stuff so far so i'm really enjoying i think the story is is engaging and there's some some cool things happening so um it's polished it's well done um and yeah there are there are some some problems but overall a uh, great game and uh, i look forward to spending many more hours with it uh, as we uh we I'm sure you through. will yeah of course i will but it's dragon quest. Dragon quest uh so that's uh, gonna be it for what we've been playing uh don't go anywhere though because we're gonna be right back after the break with some of your emails it's been a while Bally. gotta get back to those emails um so uh see you in a second Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's the second segment, and that means one thing. It means it's time for your listener emails. But before we lead off with the first email, I should tell you about the email address, which is, of course, thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That's thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Uh, we're getting close to the Switch, so, you know, tell us about the Switch. What you, what's going to happen? You know? We, we need some emails. We're actually, we looked at them, we we're like, oh, we thought we had a lot. And I was like, oh, no, we're actually kind of running thin. So, <laughs> so please, uh, give us some We more. implore you. If you haven't written in, we always like listening, hearing from new listeners. So, uh, if you haven't written in before, I know we've had like a bit of a rise on iTunes recently. So, uh, if you're new to the show, send us an email. Welcome. Let's know what you think. All that good stuff. So, the first email this week is from a service who's from the UK. 
Hey Joy-Con L and Joy-Con R, I'll let you argue who gets to be the left Joy-Con. Here's a question for pondering, what is the future for Zelda? More specifically, do you think the 3D Zeldas will be open world from now on, or do you think they will eventually return to traditional 3D games like Ocarina, Twilight, etc.? Is Breath of the Wild a one-off? Anuma seems pretty proud of the Breath of the Wild engine and its physics, so I think maybe they will use it at least once more. That being said, if we look at a very different Ocarina and Majora, there's no, not a guarantee a second game in a Breath of the Wild engine is open world at all. Always great to hear your thoughts. Keep it up, your compadre a service. Well, Bali, I believe that I am the right Joy-Con, uh, so I'm going to have to stick my claim there. Are you the pink one there. or the blue one? I think you're pink. Uh... Matt, look, I'm getting a grey switch, so I'm not. I'm not in these colour wars. I'm, I'm, I'm not a part of that. I'm out there. I got the. You're, you're getting the neon, didn't you? You said you pre-ordered that. I one. am. I am. It's it's coming. That's exciting. It's nice that we got a combination. It is, but it's also really helpful because we were discussing about how back in the day we always mixed up our Wii remotes. Where now it'll be like, well, I'll clearly know which Joy Cons are yours and which are mine. Do you think? Do you think I could trade you like a, a left Joy Con? Yeah, and then we can have like really unusual looking switches. Yes, and, like we be we could do that, Bally. Is that, that the is lamest 100%... thing ever? No, it's not. That sounds really <laughs> dumb and stupid, <laughs> and the sort of thing that we would do. Sounds great. Um, it does, but actually, I think someone was saying that the the way that you sync the Joy-Con to the Switch is as simple as just sliding them on. Like, can oh, you really? imagine how bad, like, the last decade has been for us? Like, every it's time so we want to go over to each other's house, syncing a Wii remote, have to press. For the Wii, we had to, like, go into the thing, hold the thing at the same oh, time, do them both. Even, Wii U, you had to go to a menu, sync the controller. Now, Bally, the Joy-Con, you just, just slide it on, and it syncs. Slide Sounds it pretty on. wonderful. Sounds pretty oh, wonderful to me. Um, so, a, yes. Zelda. All that, Where's it going? All that, we're not talking about Joy-Con to this uh, segment. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So, the, the new Zelda game hasn't even come out and we're already talking about the next one, which I like because that's something that only video game people do is like, yeah, this game's out. Let's talk about the next one already. Um, but I think it's an interesting question because... The nature of Breath of the Wild is that it is greatly divergent from the Zelda formula. It is doing things uh, in a direction that we haven't gone in before, and in that sense, it feels like this in itself is a weird spin-off, but then I think that there are interesting things we can factor into it is... So clearly they spent a lot of time making this engine, getting it to work, having this big open world, and... I personally think, Bally, it would be a little silly to just leave that behind and just do one game in it, right? Like, it seems a bit of a waste of resources to just be like, hey, we're done with this and we're moving on to something completely different and rewriting uh, from the ground up. And I think what they could do is learn maybe from this game and put out something that is similar. Uh, Or they could go in the direction where they take that engine, they do something completely fucking weird with it, and we have, as a server says, a Ocarina vs. Majora situation. uh, Where maybe it's a more linear game, uh, maybe it is something that just takes the assets and reuses them in a in a unique concept um i'm not sure like how viable that is these days like and back in the n64 it was it was weird to see like all these character models from ocarina just being the exact same ones in majora but being completely different people and all that stuff Um, i'm not sure if that flies these days but how how would you feel would which direction would you want to go in do you think that they should uh create like a more refined version of the breath of the wild or would they you prefer they go in a weird direction i'd like to see another 
game in the Breath of the Wild engine, but I do not mind if they do something crazy like Majora or or something like that because ultimately people might be like, ah, oh, it's it's okay, but it's not as good as Ocarina. But like many people are with Majora, but ultimately, like Majora's Mask coming out doesn't mean that Ocarina of Time doesn't exist. And like the beautiful right. thing about Zelda is that they put so much effort into reinventing, building engines from the bottom up each almost each time they want to create a game obviously there's clashes like phantom hourglass with spirit tracks for example is another one where they use the same engine but i think that the idea that they've got to make an even bigger and better breath of the wild once breath of the wild is out is just a bit simplistic and obvious for nintendo i don't think they're going to do that and i'm actually confident that the next zelda that comes out on switch will be a top-down one i think i think that you will see that sort of handheld aimed uh almost like Link Between Worlds-esque Zelda come out again. So I think that to simplistically say, oh, Zelda's open world now, therefore 3D Zeldas will always be open world is completely false. I think that, you know, it's going to be unpredictable because it's it's Zelda and it's Nintendo and they they don't want to do anything in a streamlined, predictable way. They never have. Yeah, it is true. I I wonder if... um... You know, the fact that this game is being different, whether they would be like, okay, well, our next game is going to be a traditional Zelda using this engine, and that may, you know, appease some people. And I I don't know if that's, like, a smart thing necessarily to do, because I think that the reason they're breaking away from convention and going in this direction is because people got so sick of, hey, it's Ocarina of Time again. You know, like, it's the same structure, the dungeons are themed in a similar way, yeah. and as much as we love all those games and i think that they are very unique and different you can't argue that you know they are that different from a structural level like the core tenants remain the same in every game you always have you know uh these three preliminary dungeons and then you have a, a midway point and then you go and do the second half of the game with the rest of the dungeons and um i love that i i think that zelda is one of the most satisfying game design uh things in the entire industry and i think that structure is fantastic but i i don't know that they would really glean as much critical attention and and stuff like that like breath of the wild did but maybe they don't need to and maybe that's the wonderful thing about switch is that they're now in this position that they can basically make multiple versions of one franchise in a single console's lifespan and that is exacerbated by the fact that we have uh previous wii u games being ported over so like Mm. mario kart 8 deluxe doesn't necessarily mean there's not going to be another mario kart on this system like likely there will be and it will probably be something a bit different and a bit weird and i i hope they do that because with mario kart 8 deluxe you basically have the ultimate traditional mario kart like there's not really a way that you can iterate on that game to make it any more you know, bog standard, fantastic Mario Kartness. So why don't you go in a strange direction and and you know maybe bring back the double dash mechanic or maybe do something even weirder and and just um, you know juggle things. And I hope that you know Mario Odyssey obviously looks weird in its own right, but maybe mm. they do something else that is divergent with the Mario game. Like we're in the situation where we're the beginning of this lifespan and we have tentpole franchises in year one. So what does that mean for year five? Like, clearly there'll be another Mario game. Clearly there'll be another Zelda game. But what are the forms they take and and how do they approach them? I think that's the interesting question here. Um, So let me humor you quickly, Bally, because I think this is an interesting thing that I could propose. 
is I like the idea that they still go back to 2D Zelda and they still do that and make, you know, I don't know, link the, the third Link Between Worlds, Link to the Past game. Uh, but what if they go along the lines of the Captain Toad model? Um, and my theory, not theory, my idea, I would say, uh, is hey we have this physics engine and we have all these items and we have these abilities what if we just create this game that is straight up some dungeons or some puzzle rooms or something along those lines where it's level based but you're kind of entering a different space and you have specific items at your disposal um but it's still kind of that that core zelda thinking about it in that way and figuring stuff out is is that a possibility i think that that's a potential thing that they can do with easy resources maybe have a smaller team on it you already had the assets done and maybe it's overkill because it has come out recently that there are like 120 shrines in this game that's a fuck ton of puzzle rooms you know when you boil it down uh so maybe it could be a bit too much of a good thing but maybe if you put a twist on it and you know theme it differently and and make it you know a little bit standoffish that's potential because we know that they could you know spin things up and and you know they what they've talked about wanting to have spin-off games like smaller games to pad out these gaps they have in their lineup that's potentially a thing they could do definitely i think i think they will use that engine in some way and you're right it's about how they use it i'd be surprised if they do do what you'd suggested with where they take a sort of more smaller scale approach and look to intricate dungeons and smaller puzzles that you complete almost on like a level basis like you said i'd be surprised if they did that with such an expansive world from that engine necessarily but you're right the physics engine is there and it's definitely possible uh i don't know something what about all that space for like the horse riding or something can you make something out of that or is that a bit niche that feels know. like very spin-offy game like horse ride like oh uh, yeah i mean it's some... absolutely but i don't know I, I think we'll see something crazy or what if you just had like this massive moon that came down and crushed the whole world and you're racing uh-huh, against time yeah. or something hmm. i don't know maybe they could they could do something with with my favorite mechanic of you know time travel i don't know yes absolutely be well, Bali we, I don't even know there might be time travel in Breath of the Wild who knows no, at this point like, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it it's going to happen uh, and, uh, well we'll absolutely take that I, I, I mean I wouldn't great. put it past them to put a bit of time travel in a Zelda in a Zelda game you know it, it's happened a lot it's tradition it's makes tradition. sense so but, our next um, our next email is from Mike T who's from the internet and has a few thoughts Dear, dear Ballon MBZ, as an owner of a PS4 Pro slash VR, etc., I feel that Switch is definitely a second complementary console, as you guys mentioned in your last episode. I think the launch lineup is fine. I'll be picking up Zelda and Super Bomberman and possibly Snipper Clips on the store. This, as a PS4 console owner, is plenty, as I will already have Horizon Zero Dawn, Yakuza Zero, Resident Evil 7, plus shitloads of other games I still need to play. The Nintendo first-party games are the reason I'm getting Switch. Pure and simple. I got the PS4 for the Accuser game franchise, so will not be interested in the Xbox Scorpio as it does not have any exclusives I'm interested in. Well, we don't know that yet, but um, any other third-party games like Mass Effect, Andromeda, Red Dead 2, etc. will be on my PS4. So I totally agree with you that all this crap about third-party support will sell the Switch is exactly that. 
I'm also digging the retro-ish vibe the Switch is giving me. Street Fighter 2, Super Bomberman, and the chance to get some NDS games improved for Switch is also very compelling. I'm not really a mobile gamer, but like the immediacy of the two Joy-Con controllers for hassle-free local multiplayer and the motion stuff, it's a nice bonus to enhance gameplay or some quirky one-off. 1-2 Switch, I'm looking at you. So Nintendo, give me retro vibe exclusive exclusives and first party awesomeness like Mario, Metroid and Zelda and souped up NDS titles and I will be more than happy. FIFA can go fuck itself as any other downgraded third party crap that is available on PS4 versus Xbox One. As for Skyrim, well, we all know where that can go too. Great podcast and I'm glad the Switch is not a complete clusterfuck so keep to keep you guys discussing all the future Nintendo goodness we all deserve. Cheers. Well, yeah, not really a question in there, but I uh, I appreciate hearing some, some thoughts. Yeah, I, I like this idea that Switch has this retro vibe going on because it, a lot of people have been pointing that out that, hey, uh, we have these third parties, but they're kind of giving us games that are more in the vein of like, hey, remember when Street Fighter was on Super Nintendo and remember how much fun you had playing Bomberman with your friends? And that is all kind of revolving around this notion of co-op not co-op uh local multiplayer um which the switch is pushing heavily um and i i don't know uh how you feel about that bally but it's it definitely seems like they want to take the approach of not only is this a portable console that you can take with you but this is a console that you can play multiplayer on with people wherever you go um and i wonder how much that's going to appeal to people if that's going to become a real driving point I don't necessarily think Super Bomberman's going to take off or necessarily Street Fighter 2, but when, you, when you're releasing games that have these, these historical audiences, uh, you're going to get lucky with one of them, and like, one of them will take off. I'm not saying it's either of those two. It might be one in the future, but like random retro stuff, when you really go for it, can do really well, especially on a system like the Switch. Like I think it, the whole idea of the two Joy-Cons coming out and local multiplayer to, and two-player is great. And that might be the thing that takes off the most from all of this, to be honest. Like two-player multiplayer, local multiplayer games might be like a real niche that becomes something you can only pursue with the switch obviously so it's games like snipper clips can get really exciting for example uh, but you're right putting putting that aspect in a retro element with street fighter 2 could be really nice like we've never really experienced much street fighter that could be like a fun little thing to pick up later down the line just to play uh locally but it's, it's interesting to see where it can go absolutely i think that total biscuit kind of mentioned this when he was discussing the switch where he said Uh, He always goes to PAX and he likes having those kind of board game experiences there and like playing local multiplayer with people. And he was saying like the Switch is the perfect console to take to something like PAX to to a video game show where you have loads of people around who want to play multiplayer with each other and sometimes you're going to have to go to a specific game room to do that that's set up in the convention center. What if you could just, you know, chill out in one of the halls, pop down a Switch, and all of a sudden everyone's playing together? You know, like, that sounds like a really great thing, and I I feel like the Switch is definitely going to be 
a console that you see all around, like the 3DS was with Street Pass, is people are going to be bringing it out and playing it wherever they are, and it's an easy thing to just pop off a Joy-Con, hand it to someone, and be like, yeah, let's just play this for a little bit. And Nintendo, I think they really need to go after these um, these independent developers who are creating these local co-op experiences, because ultimately... A lot of these come out on PC, and they don't necessarily have online play, and that's great, but most people have their PCs in their offices, or they only have one controller attached to them. Like, it's not a convenient way to have people over, and even with something like a PS4, where, you know, last year we saw a great success in Overcooked, which loads of people loved... I think a game like Overcooked would be way more successful on the Switch because of the factor that you can take it with you and and just play with someone else. So absolutely, I think that that is maybe an aspect of the system which is not being played up as much. And I think the software lineup is subtly telling us, hey, guess what? Like, these are the sorts of games that you can have fun with. And to be honest, like, the Joy-Con, it's not the sort of controller you want to play with usually, but for a quick multiplayer session when you're mm. out of packs or something, exactly. it's not offensive. Like, people have said it feels pretty good. So I, I don't see a problem there, and I think that it's, uh, it's a very interesting scenario. And um, they can definitely do well if they go after those indies and court things like Towerfall and things like Overcooked. Exactly. Um, and we're talking about games like Towerfall, Overcooked, and not necessarily your 1-2 Switch, which while it's using a similar idea with using the individual Joy-Cons, it's a very, very different game to, you know, your Street Fighters, your Mario Kart, whatever. So, yeah. like, will 1-2 Switch take off more than these other things? Probably not. I definitely side with the sort of the Bomberman, the Snipper Clips. Let's see how those games do versus 1-2 Switch. Um, totally, yeah. So, yeah, huge opportunities. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting times. All right, well, uh, let's move on to our final email then, Bally. Our final email is from Frack, who's from Spain. Hi, Mrs. and Bally. This is Frack from Spain asking you another question. The other day, I saw Bally tweeting how unacceptable it was that Pokemon Sun and Moon did not let you post images in the Miiverse. Reading that made me realize something that shocked me. After checking many reviews discussing the game on forums like NeoGAF as well as Reddit and playing for some more than 50 hours, I've literally never seen anyone mentioning the word Miiverse until Bally did. This is particularly interesting seeing how quite a few people complained about the same feature missing in X and Y back in 2013. I, for one, remember a time when I actually used the Miiverse every now and then, such as when Sakurai used, used to post his picks of the day for Super Smash Bros. 4. I've even seen very few games that actually implement it nowadays. Remember when Nintendo Land or New Super Mario Bros. U bombarded us with other user posts? Well, I think the last game I played that featured anything related to Miiverse was Twilight Princess HD. So here is my question. Has the Miiverse become irrelevant? Do you think the Switch will still be compatible with it or drop it completely? And if it continues, do you think it will change at all? Or if Nintendo is planning to replace it with a a new social network? Or maybe it will feature new ways of sharing gameplay akin to the PS4 and Xbox One. Some people were speculating about the Switch's mystery button. Thanks for your time and keep up with the good work. Well, thank you, Farak. I think, uh, unfortunately, this email came in a little while ago, so some information <laughs> being out of date. Uh, we, of course, know the Switch has the capture button, which is going to be used for screenshots, and they say in the future video, not sure that I believe them, but we'll see. Uh, and uh, also, we do know that Nintendo are dropping the Miiverse for Switch. So, uh, with all that in mind, Bally, 
has Miiverse become irrelevant? Is it? Are we at a point that they don't do something similar on Switch? Because I can imagine a scenario where that capture button links to Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and has no Nintendo-based thing integrated into it. Hmm. Do you think that they'll have something of their own, or are they just going to give up the ghost and say, guess what, we lost, other social media exist, and, and they work just fine? That is a really t- tough one. Um, you know what, I think they might. I think that, that Miiverse was launched at a time where they were definitely a lot more confident of their Wii brand and the ability to say, hey, we're Nintendo, we can do our own social media. Uh, I think that for them utilizing Nintendo software through stuff like Twitter and Facebook was perhaps more tricky for them, but now obviously they're far more adept when it comes to online experiences than they were like five years ago. So I think there's every chance that they do ditch it. Uh, like, has Miiverse become irrelevant? Yes. I think that people like you and me perhaps use it a lot more because. I mean, yeah. we have a podcast. We have some people who follow us who are interested but in it's, what we're But it's playing. more than that, though, right? It's like every time I log into Miiverse, I don't see any notifications anymore, really. And maybe that's lack of me posting images as much as I maybe used to. But my activity feed feels dry. Like yeah. every time I load it up, there's not really anything new being put in there. Uh, and that is the nature of like... I just think over time, people got fed up with fucking waiting for Miiverse to load out of their game and ultimately it was just not smoothly put into the system it just took way too long to load it up you had to make sure that you had something that was working with it and then you had to post and then go back it was it was just a time-consuming process that absolutely killed momentum um and that really was a problem and i i think miiverse could be successful or something like miiverse could still be successful but they would have to overhaul it in a way that made it usable and made it quick and didn't waste your time and was just an in and out thing you know um so yeah ultimately at this point miiverse is just a means for me to get my nintendo coins which to be honest, why the fuck am I even doing that? Because my Nintendo, as we've said, is the greatest human tragedy of the last 100 years. So, yeah, yeah you know, like, what am I even doing on Miiverse anyway? Um, which, you know, it's, it's bad to say that because I think there are lots of people who still like to use the system. And I know that, you know, there's there's always people who are liking things and commenting and having conversations on there. But uh, ultimately it's not a convenient and easy to use service like Twitter or like Facebook, you know, and, and that sucks and, uh, because it's cool and it's weird. And like, it has that idea of you had the touchscreen to draw a bunch of weird shit on it. So it highlights, you know, artists in a way that, you know, something that like Twitter doesn't. So we, I don't know. we don't know the exact use of the share button yet. Do we? I, I mean, they have said it's going to be screenshots and right. video. We do, we don't know where yeah, that's going. Pres- uh, like, yeah. I imagine it's just a social media, but again, we we could have this scenario where they have a replacement for Miiverse that is called something completely different. And it could, it might be like, it doesn't even come at launch, it might come a few months down the line, which is always a shame. Well, look, going by the state of their current uh, online plan, looks like a lot is coming down the line, unfortunately. it's not great, Um, it's not great. It reminds me of the 3DS launch where the eShop didn't fucking exist. 
when that system and came like, out. And, like, how can online stuff come down the line when you have a game like Mario Kart 8 HD coming out, like... Yeah, you know what? People were talking about this on a podcast the other day, and I was like, holy shit, you're right. Like, like if, there's no, if, there's no, um, if there's no friends list integration or lobby integration on the system itself, like they've been suggesting, that it's going to be through the app. Right, like, that game is coming out at a point in time where we're, like, months away from this phone application launching and having uh you know the ability to do voice chat and friends and and splatoon 2 i think that's for like summer like these two are big multiplayer games this is why i don't believe them this is why like they keep saying oh yeah the only way to do friends lobby stuff is via your phone i'm like there's no it's got to be a way way to enhance it because there's no way people in april and in may are going to be playing maricot and splatoon and are not going to be able to contact their friends and make lobbies and do stuff like that like that is actual insanity if they launch and that's not there it's it's un unthinkable like you can't do that you literally can't do that in 2017 there might be some bad news coming though it feels a bit the confusion doesn't feel good i i fucking refuse to believe that is the case (laughs) because if they launch these games with no ability to just contact your friends and have them go jump in at the same time what the fuck are they doing Mm. honestly what the fuck are they doing Um, but maybe the meverse replacement might be separate to the oh, it can't be separate can it i don't know it might no. all it might all launch at the same time might not it we'll see yeah and I, you know we we've got months or a month ish <laughs> god fuck me it's, it's close crazy, isn't it? Isn't it? um i think there's like one more show after this in between switch coming out mm. um so yeah man things are heating up but yeah as, as we were saying like they still have to mention what is the ui of this thing like th- i think we've um we've got to know that there are some elements uh like on the screen we've seen like this brief screenshot of like hey there's a a button for photos so you can check your image gallery there's a button for the home there is a button for uh, some other thing i can't remember they've put out some details about some of those uh things but i'm i am pretty sure there will be a nintendo direct before launch to explain this stuff yeah um, and that there better be if there's not then people are just buying a switch without knowing pretty much anything about the os and yeah. how anything works other than how to run around in a field as link like we, yeah, like we, we, we know so little other than some details of those launch games uh that you know a switch is more than just the games it's on it's how those games integrate with each other and how they can build a social media network and how they can like connect and make make this thing something more uh tangible and exciting for when you're you're using it in a different way than purely playing the games yeah i i do wonder though like you imagine if you're saving screenshots to this device and then throwing them up onto social media and potentially got actually the the nightmare scenario would be hey they saved your sd card and then put your sd card in your computer and then you can fucking put them up on your <laughs> that don't that's even like, get me started that's like that's we photo channel level exactly just... that is... oh. <laughs> jesus don't even go there <laughs> um but you just made me think about the we photo channel for the first time in six years <laughs> jesus, Bally. i love that's, that oh, it was great that's a deep did cut ever, it was did you I, never just I, have I, a photo album you stick it in your Wii and you're like hey everyone yeah it, it, my parents loved that it was cool. Uh, couldn't you draw on them as well? Yeah, you can do all crazy stuff. Yeah. Which I was actually going to mention that is uh, there's the potential for them to be like, hey, take your screenshot and then we have a 
um, you know, a an app or something that allows you to doctor them or to mess around with them, add filters, things like that. Like get in the kind of Instagram game, you know, and kind of modify your photos before you put them up on social media, mm. um, which I think could potentially either be built into the Miiverse re- uh, replacement or it could be an app unto itself. I don't know, but I, I do think that their focus on, hey, you can save images is going to have something more to it than just we're going to upload them straight to social media. Um, I guess so, we'll find out soon. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing to ponder. Um, so, yeah, not long to go. We've been saying this uh, for a while, but it's the the gap is fucking closing. It is like so close. Man, uh, around the corner, we'll know everything. We won't have to anymore. So, uh Bali, uh, is is that it? Is is that all we have? I think that's all we have for this week when it comes to email zombies. Ed, but I will remind everyone of that email address again because I must. It's my job. It's my duty. Which of course is this Nintendo Life at gmail dot com. That is this Nintendo Life at gmail dot com. Please send your Switch emails. We want some more for next time. All right, and with that, uh, let's move on to the next segment. Uh, We'll see you after the break. Alright everyone, welcome back to the third and final part of the show this week uh, and we've decided uh, we're going to take um, a suggestion from an email that we received a while ago from a good friend of the show, Toby uh, who asked us as part of his uh, NX email um, what top five games from Nintendo's entire back catalogue uh, must have appeared on a Nintendo console but any publisher would you like to see on the Nintendo eShop on launch day uh, for the Switch? So with this in mind, Bally, we've both compiled a list of five video games that we think would be cool to play uh, when the Switch comes out, which I, we don't even know if there's going to be a virtual console available day one, uh, any of that infrastructure stuff, but uh, I thought it would be fun to just go back and forth and be like, hey, what do we want to have? Because the system, you know, there are potential things where you can play games you've never played before, but you can also mm. be like, oh, I would like to play this game that I've played before, but now I can do it portably and stuff like that. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, so, yeah, lots of avenues here. So, Bally, I'm going to kick it off with you. Uh, what's the first one that you want to play on the Switch? It's a really obvious one. We really loved Earthbound in 2016. I'm going to go with Mother 3. Uh, Fair enough. Game Boy Advance. Uh, I, 
I just I'm really curious about this game. Really want to play it. I think playing it on the go. Obviously, the Game Boy Advance is on the go, but it'd be nice yep. on that big Switch screen that Switch has. I'm excited, and like all the rumors are suggesting, this will come out at some point, and it'd be mad of them not to. It's just whether we get it sooner rather than later. I think is the question. I think it's inevitable that Mother Three happens this year. Um, it just seems like the breadcrumb trail has been leading us towards that moment. Um, and if you compare it to the notion that they released Earthbound Beginnings during that E3, uh, which I think was 2015. I can't remember if it was last year or if it was 2015. Um, but Earthbound Beginnings came out, and I imagine that Mother 3 would be a similar situation where during E3 they're like, and it's available now, and you can download it on that day. Uh, and I think people would go crazy for that. There'd be a lot of buzz around it. Um, and clearly Nintendo have... And here's the thing, like, I wouldn't be thinking that this was the case, even with these rumors, if Nintendo hadn't been, like, jabbing at their audience for this whole time. Like, remember the E3 where they did the robot chicken sketch? And yeah. Reggie basically had that guy in the crowd being like, where's Mother 3? And, Worst you know, th- they're not going to throw those references into their presentation and allow that to be sanctioned it's on their mind it's on their yeah exactly mind. yeah if they're not thinking about it then you know it makes sense um yeah me personally i've never played mother 3 uh, i've watched a playthrough of it years ago um and i don't remember a huge amount about it so it's definitely one of those games that after playing earthbound having more context for that series now uh it makes way more sense in my mind to go back and play it so i mean it was our uh, game of the year of games we played that year that didn't come out this year for both of mm-hmm. us like yeah for both of us sure it, like, it made uh, a big impact earthbound is an absolutely marvelous game it is just so special and i think that a lot of people hold mother three in even higher regard uh, to some degree so that's exciting uh, i'm i'm very interested actually you know gba games on the switch how how stretch out are they going to be are they going to be like resolution wise looking a bit blurry i'm not sure like that screen looks really nice from what we've seen but I can imagine if you want to have like the proper pixel density, it might be shrunk down like you have the option in 3DS games to do that with certain virtual console titles. Mm. Um, so I don't know, Bally. We'll, we'll see how it works out. NBZ. But what is your, num- your pick? Your number five. Uh, so uh, we're not really doing these in a descending order, are we? Oh, I guess we're, we're just going... Oh, no, I haven't made an order for mine. So oh, I mean, mine you are can... all, all five of mine are about the same. I'm okay. more excited than one than the other, arguably. Yeah, I thought we'd just go back and forth here, make it more casual. Um, so my, my one is an obvious one I've been asking for for a long time on Wii U. Uh, it's Final Fantasy VI, Bally. It's um, it's available on Wii, so I could go to the Wii hub of the Wii U Virtual Console. Uh, that's weird, then, though, isn't it? It's not good. It's it's awkward and it's a pain and i never want to open wii mode because it's it means i have to set up a sensor bar if i don't set up a sensor bar i have to plug in my classic controller pro just to move the cursor around the screen um i I probably would have bought it if i could just play on the gamepad but the way that they've implemented the gamepad stuff with wii mode is you can look at stuff on that screen but none of the buttons do anything. <laughs> so mm. it's basically an elaborate TV or not an elaborate one, a like fucking bargain bin version of just playing a Wii game by looking at this tiny ass screen and having mm. a controller. It's it's essentially what the Switch is, but like much less palatable, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so my option would have been, I could have played it on the gamepad, but I would have had to use a classic controller to do so. Uh, and I just didn't want to do that. Um, I think that, 
on Switch, obviously it would have save states, uh, which though I don't think I would necessarily need them for like going through the game, it's just a convenience, a modern convenience that I have loved having on Wii U Virtual Console, and I hope they continue that, but just Final Fantasy VI is the game that everyone talks around about uh, when you're talking about Final Fantasy, when you're talking about the Super Nintendo RPGs. It's the top of most people's like favorite games of all times list. Like everyone talks about Final Fantasy VI, and I have to play it, Bally. Like I, you know that I've been going through this JRPG education, and I cannot call myself, um, you know, a student of RPGs until I've played this game. So it has to be done, Bally, uh, and. I think that if this comes out on Switch, I would nudge you towards it and be like, hey, Bally, if you're going to play a Final Fantasy game, maybe do this one. Yeah, um, I want to play one, and I'd like to play one on the go, which obviously Switch will be. So yeah, why not? I'll add it yeah, to, and, and, add it to the know, backlog. Absolutely. Got to, got to keep that uh, that pile growing, Bally. You know? I can't have you sitting around here being like, oh, I've beaten my backlog. It's not in the spirit of the show. So it's got to happen. Um, so yeah, Final Fantasy VI, that's my, uh, that's my number one pick. Uh, what about you, Bally, for your next one? My next one, I'm going to go with Mario Kart Double Dash. Uh, okay. One of my favorite games of all time, really. Uh, I, I absolutely love Mario Kart Double Dash. And I want to add the caveat that I really would like to see uh, some online functionality for this game. I think it would be a glorious game, obviously, with its co-op carts to have uh, to, to be able to play online. Like, I mean, we could we could do a co-op LPM. He said, "How cool would that be?" I don't know. Oh, yeah, think- great. Just like back in the day where you came over to my house and went through like the thirty-two track crazy ass oh, Grand Prix, glorious. and I just glorious. sat there using items and not really playing the game. Probably. I mean, we could we could in- input the rule where you you have to drive the middle lap. We used to do that rule when I played multiplayer back at uni with each other with two. Oh, races, okay. Two. We'd, we'd be That's like fun. We, the rule was you have to swap swap driver each lap. Uh, okay yeah no that's a nice house rule um and obviously playing this game on the go i think would be good fun so i just i'm I'm really intrigued to see uh because we the gamecube virtual console has been massively rumored as well on top of mother 3 so absolutely yeah it'd be nice i will they go for online with this game i highly doubt it but who knows who knows It, it could be possible I uh, I wonder about these games like Smash Melee and and um, and Double Dash and all this stuff from GameCube. How much Melee's they're going to really huge do? One, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, how how much are they really going to do to support those from like an online perspective or like add additional features? Because when you think about it, like they're kind of competing with themselves. Like Mario Kart Eight is going to come out, and they want that to be a vibrant big thing. So yeah. having Double Dash as well alongside it, I don't know. I, 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 feel, I feel like it won't necessarily uh, take anything away, but there will certainly be some people who are like, yeah, I actually I would prefer to play this older game as opposed to the newer one. Um, mm. And I don't know. I don't know if you, they could like cultivate having a good online for those games. The one thing you have to worry about is like there are going to be the mainstream Nintendo hits where everyone's going to be playing Splatoon 2 and everyone's going to be playing Smash Brothers, but... I don't know that the community will be there for something like a yeah. Double Dash. You know, like yeah. it might dry up quite quickly. And, you know, you even see that on Wii U with stuff like Fast Racing Neo, where yeah. there are some people playing it, but it's going to dry up pretty quickly and you're not going to have a community to go back to. Um, True. So I, I worry we'll about that. But we'll see. I don't know. I think that Nintendo's whole idea of online NES and Super Nintendo games, like when everyone has access to them, makes much more sense because guess what everyone can play those at the same time Mm. um whereas like the piecemeal virtual console stuff no no seems a little bit harder to control 
but yeah, good good choice. Uh, I think that that's uh, definitely, especially like if we're on a plane together and like playing double dash at the same time, that would be a fun oh, thing. Um, so, well, like, so yeah, to be able to control front and back of the car using two Joy Cons, like that's that, oh, that'd be uh, great. yeah, I guess that's yeah, it's a little weird thinking about it, but sure. Um, okay, so my next one is. Uh, it's contingent that Microsoft work with Nintendo and that they uh, have a good working relationship. And the idea that Minecraft is even on Nintendo platforms and Microsoft have worked with them to do that is maybe a good sign or maybe it's just the idea that Minecraft is a unique thing that just works on its own level. But um, Banjo-Kazooie, I think, would be great to have on Switch. That and it's chat. one of those games that, you know, Rare released on N64 and everyone adores those classic platformers. And to be honest, Bally, like, neither you or I were super deep into the N64 platforming scene um, back in the day. I I know you owned Mario 64, but neither of us really played Mario 64 until the DS version came out. Oh, absolutely. I've barely barely touched that game. Um, We've both obviously played the DS version. So Banjo-Kazooie and Tui are both games that we've completely missed out on. Um, and I know that they would be interesting things to go back to, especially, you know, ukulele coming out soon. Uh, it'd be very cool to have a system that plays both the new version of Banjo-Kazooie, essentially, <laughs> and it's uh, the original. Yeah. Um, so I think that, like, I'd really like for Microsoft to work something out, you know, with Rare and licensing so that Nintendo could have Banjo-Kazooie come back to their platform, because it's it seems like you look at the N64 catalog on Virtual Console, and it's pretty thin. Like, to be honest, the N64 didn't have the best library ever, but there were a lot of solid hits and strong games, and a lot of those are not able to be put up on there, and a lot of those are rare games for one reason or another, like whether it be because they're now owned by Microsoft, or whether it be that it's GoldenEye that also has movie licenses tied into it. Uh, It's just a shame, I think, that we're losing out on that stuff on on Nintendo these days, and um, I definitely think that if they were to go out there and, uh, you know, make, make amends and uh, you know, I, I, Phil Spencer has been vocal on Twitter before about how he would love to see Banjo, Banjo and Kazooie in uh, Smash Brothers. So I totally think that that is likely, and I would love to see Banjo Kazooie on Switch Virtual Console. Bally, what is your next pick? I'm going to go with another racing game, actually, MBZ. I'm going, and this is one I've not played, which I really want to play, and I would love it if they implemented online for this as well. So I'm not going to talk too much about it, but that would be F Zero and so this was a game they really royally mucked up on the wii u apparently the controls were horrendous and so they did end up patching that uh i did think i I heard that greg Leahy because he uh i know he downloaded it and then he was like oh no this is all fucked up um and apparently they have fixed that on the wii u virtual console now Um, but regardless of that i i i think that yeah on the switch would be very cool and yeah exactly on the go online like everyone always talks about like how would you even innovate on f-zero it's like just make one online it's not they've not even tried that yet um and like you were saying where double dash might be stealing some of the thunder potentially from a mario kart 8 remake there's no f-zero game yet there might not be one for years and years so let's just try it and see see how fans react because i think it it could be quite cool yeah maybe a, a backdoor window into saying okay 
well, if this virtual console game sells well and we see some kind of you know buzz around it, then potentially we could go ahead and, and start production on a new F Zero game. Although, to be honest, that hasn't really happened with you know stuff coming out on Wii U virtual console. Although you could also argue that Wii U not having that big of an install base didn't really warrant them to do that. Although, see, I'm going back and forth on my own points now. Now I'm thinking about it. The Wii U is a console owned by hardcore Nintendo fans, so clearly it probably would have been the best place to release an f-zero game because everyone would have bought it and switch switch is likely to be both absolutely so switch is gonna cover both their bases and have the hardcore nintendo fan and hopefully some new people coming in as well um and yeah i i I just wonder bali how popular this kind of genre is these days and how much people really care about you know a really quick racing game it just it's one of those things where it was really big in kind of the late 90s and people loved Wipeout and they loved F-Zero and I just don't see it as a core tenant anymore of, you know, the the game's landscape. Like, a lot of racing games are either going down the simulation route or they're going a little bit off uh, off the grid with stuff like Forza Horizon. Uh, yeah. And then obviously you have Mario Kart. So, yeah, it's, it's weird because um, there's just different kind of crowds being catered to and I just don't know how big this pool is anymore. But for sure, a re-release of F Zero X would be nice. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those games that I have dabbled with in emulation before when I've been, you know, setting up streams and stuff. It's usually a game I go it's to. Pretty cool and runs at a smooth frame rate considering it's an N sixty four game at that. Speed. Right, that's mainly the reason I go to it. Is like I want to check that my stream is running at sixty fps. <laughs> Guess what's a really easy way to do that is play F Zero X and. Uh, you can tell straight away whether it's 60 or not. Um, so it's useful. It's a useful barometer, if nothing else, Bally. If I'm going to be streaming on my mm. Switch and I'm like, hmm, I hope my stream is at 60 FPS, well, I might have to just buy this game for that purpose, Bally. Well, there you go. Uh, there Why you not? go. But let um, me said, what is your next game that you'd like to see? Okay, I've got a few that I can uh, go between. Uh, let's go with The Last Story, uh, which is the one of the three Operation Rainfall games, uh, which included Xenoblade, The Last Story, and Pandora's Tower, uh, which everyone wanted to be localized from Japan. Uh, and eventually, all of them were, surprisingly, even in North America. They got Pandora's Tower over there, finally. So uh, The Last Story is the, the one beside Xenoblade that I've wanted to play the most, because everyone has talked about how um it's a very different sort of game than xenoblade it's a much shorter one it's apparently only 20 25 what, what hours was this long. out on uh this is we so this is because okay. uh th- those operation rainfall games by the way, they're all Wii games that were yeah. not being localized from japan and really uh everyone was like why the shit are you not doing this the Wii has nothing this year in the west it was like the dying years of Wii, and people were like what the fuck nintendo like these games exist bring them out so the last story is uh probably the most prominent of those that i would want to play um, and pandora's tower actually came out on wii u virtual console but last story still hasn't and it's one of those like these old fire emblems that has been on ebay for hundreds of pounds for like 70 80 like stupid amounts of money and i don't want to pay that much to play it quite honestly like i just want it digitally and um and it's been talked very favorably it's uh it's headed up by uh, sakaguchi sakaguchi being the godfather of final fantasy the main guy who created that franchise and uh it's interesting it's called the last story because it very much feels like hey final fantasy the last story it's a similar naming convention um and Mm. you know the whole idea of final fantasy was it was like their last shot it was the last chance of them 
like putting out a game and lo and behold it was this uh, phenomenon so it's kind of like in that vein uh, and it has kind of more action based combat system uh, has a British voice cast because of course uh, these games were, we're being localized by European uh, localization houses owing to the fact that Nintendo didn't want to put them out in North America, uh, which is really cool. Um, and I really want to play it. Like I've just I've seen Smash Brothers trophies pop up of these characters, and I'm like, ah, oh, you're from the last story, but I don't have an attachment to you yet because I haven't played this game. Uh, so and it's also one of those games I believe you could just play with a classic controller. So in terms of you know all the baggage of bringing over Wii games, it's one of the easier ones to do. So you don't really have mm. to worry about like implementing strange motion stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, overall, I think The Last Story is a game that I would love to see on Switch. Great to have another RPG portably. And, you know, I want to see what all the fuss is about, Bally. So that's my pick, The Last Story. So for my next pick, if there's one thing that we're hyped about this year, other than the Switch, MEZ, It'd be Star Wars Episode Eight. It's got to be oh, like dear that. Lord. That is going to be some hype train, and I think Nintendo should get on the board the Star Wars hype train and re-release on their virtual console Rogue Squadron for the N sixty four. Now this is also the a game, original Rogue Squadron. The original. So I've also not played this version. Um, I played it sort of its cousin that was made by the same developers at factor five i think they're called yes um which was of course battle for naboo which was the same Mm. engine but obviously set in episode one and i absolutely love that game still need to go back and finish it i'd love to try that at some point but i'd love to see the original rogue squadron really hype up the star wars if nintendo could just do some sort of deal where they had some sort of series of traditional star wars games that came out uh, in, in the run-up to episode 8 coming out, you could just see those games doing pretty well on the eShop. And I'd, I'd absolutely love to see a few of those games, especially uh, the, the space shooters, of which this is arguably the best, apparently. Even though I've not played it, I've, I've played the... So I've played Battlefield Naboo, I've played Rebel Strike, and I've played Rogue Squadron 2, uh, which are all fantastic Did you games. ever own episode 1 Podracer? I owned it on the PC, Oh, man. Um, and okay. that is also a That's very weird. good game. Why yeah. would you own that on the PC? That's really strange. <laughs> because I bought the N64 right at the end of its life cycle. Um, okay. Uh, secondhand. Uh, yeah. And Podracer was around the middle slash early. Because it was like okay. 1999, I want to say, 2000. I don't know. I would imagine that would be a game that had wide enough circulation that you'd be able to get a copy. But I don't know. Podracer. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I never sort of went online and looked for the, the rarest uh n64 games but that is a that is a game i'd actually like to see perhaps even more so than rogue squadron but i'd love to see some star wars reference but we'll see i i can see it potentially happening i mean um sony recently got in bed with uh with disney to do some re-releases of super nintendo star wars games on ps4 which is weird that the super nintendo game is coming yeah. out on ps4 and not on the nintendo platform but guess what battlefront sells 12 million copies on ps4 so there's going to be a lot of star wars fans there uh so it actually does make a lot of sense so yeah the super star wars came out and and some other old games so uh, i would think it would be smart of nintendo to be like hey we have these n64 games you want to maybe put them on or whatever and i don't know if that would work uh but i i have some hope you know i don't know there's it's it's easier probably to do the licensing with that than it is to do with with goldeneye for example so you would hope I would so. imagine. You'd hope so. Yeah, I would. I would hope so. Um, so yeah, nice, uh, nice choice. Uh, a very bally choice, I have to say. Very bally choice. Um, 
So my next choice is one that I've been curious about for a long time um, and have never picked up. I've, I've maybe seen it sometimes in, in old game stores, but uh, it's Beautiful Joe Bally, which hmm. was a GameCube game, GameCube. part of the Capcom 5, um, headed up by Hideki Kamiya, you know, a guy who's now uh, does a lot with Platinum games. Um, and, you know, he made this weird game, which is a kind of 2D action thing and... It is apparently one of the best games on GameCube and has a lot of interesting stuff to do with it. Um, and I've never played a Beautiful Joe game before, but I've always been interested in it. It's always had an art style to it and always had a look that I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to play that at some point. And um, it's, it's never happened. I know there was a DS game, I believe. Uh, I've seen, like, bits and pieces of it around and about. But um, RFN did a retroactive on it a little while ago. And I remember thinking, oh, I wish I could participate in this but like finding a copy of beautiful joe is kind of a pain in the ass so um yeah i haven't been able to do so and i, I really hope that like with all this gamecube virtual console stuff coming out we're going to see some of these deeper cuts some of these third party games in there like beautiful joe like maybe piano 3 or some other weird shit like that you know from back in the day reign of fire which was a weird gamecube game that i just bought right. recently for like two quid weird um, okay yeah uh so <laughs> i don't know about it. it's i've i've really been feeling like if i was to collect any video game console it would be the gamecube and i don't know why that is so it, you've it just might started be... doing it behind everyone's backs <laughs> yeah well not really but like it's just one of those things where I have such fond memories of reading game magazines during that era. So I'm intimately familiar with these weird GameCube games. Like today in the library, so I'm writing my dissertation on Lord of the Rings. And today in the library, it just popped into my head. Oh shit, that was that weird The Hobbit game on GameCube. And I'm like, oh shit, I should look that up on eBay. And I like looked it up. You can get it for like six quid from some seller. And I was like, oh, I might, I might buy this because I was always so like, <laughs> I saw the screenshot for the Hobbit uh, in that magazine. I was like, oh, that looks really cool. I might want to play that one day. And it's probably just some shitty platforming action thing. But you know, it's the Hobbit. It's a weird thing, so I want to play it. Maybe that should maybe that should be my next choice is the Hobbit on <laughs> on Virtual Console. Uh, no, uh, truly not. Why don't but, we do um, that club club? Yeah, let's do a backlog club on the Hobbit for GameCube. God damn it! Uh, so I, I'll yeah, I'll say Beautiful Joe. There's other games, of course, on GameCube, uh, third party stuff that I would be interested in. But that's probably close to the top of the list. Um, so yeah, but I, I don't know how you feel about this game. Whether you've ever had any interest in it, uh, but it's yeah. always one of those that was talked about back in the day. Yeah, definitely. Like I'd like to pick up Beautiful Joe at some point if. I, if... It's what it's like a weird sort of two D action fighter thing in me. Yeah, beat him up. Yeah, I sounds cool. Like it got such rave reviews at the time, but we were so adverse to trying it out for some our stupid childish bizarre reasons. We were too busy yeah. Mario partying and stuff. Exactly. To, yeah, to the, the, the highest of quality video games, Mario Party. Yeah, it took me ages to play games like Metroid Prime. For goodness' sake, I only played that like a couple of years ago. So like, exactly, it's it just huge amazing games we just missed out on from that era even though yeah. we we read quite a lot of games media in the form of magazines like you said yeah all right bally let's close it out with so your my final pick my final pick is very nostalgic we both have sunk a lot of hours into this game in our childhood and it's still not come out on virtual console um and that game is pokemon stadium uh, oh man so yeah. you can argue for pokemon stadium one or two i think two is arguably quite a bit better um and obviously it's got gen 2 pokemon which is your favorite generation um absolutely i 
think this would be fantastic to play again and it can go on it can go on the wave of pokemon go and the wave of the first generation and all that sort of stuff and this could be really cool online like um i don't know i don't even know if there would still be a market for a uh, sort of a pokemon stadium style game but at least re-release the original and see how see what happens because it'd be quite a cool game to to go back to yeah i i think that there is an opportunity here for nintendo to leverage services like pokemon bank um to leverage some connectivity between maybe 3ds and switch or even is pokemon bank being a cloud-based kind of service you could just manipulate that onto the switch itself so potentially you can throw up your red blue virtual console 3ds pokemon onto bank and then just download them into pokemon stadium right like that would be a solution that would be possible um if they engineered it that way and of course this requires nintendo actually going in and giving a shit which you know you look at what they did with red and blue on virtual console and you know they did a bang up job they had a trading in there they had the ability to use bank they had the ability to battle people like as far as a re-release goes a virtual console title red and blue is right up there with one of the best so um, release it with red and blue and do the classic thing where you you can do the equivalent of put your game cartridge into the back of your n64 controller and use your pokemon from your red and blue file on pokemon stadium like make go full ring with the full loop with the nostalgia yeah that makes sense they uh they have no reason to not release red and blue again on switch um especially if they're just keeping with you know standard virtual console releases of game boy stuff as well as you know the nes and super nintendo and n64 so uh that would work and i think it's really the only way you do that i'm not sure that people would actually be interested in stadium if you couldn't do that because honestly like it's fun and i had a good time standing around my burger king playing it with rental stuff but like using rental pokemon in that game really is it's it's an interesting exercise but it also doesn't feel like you're really invested and i think you need to have your own pokemon to really feel the investment there so um that's something that they would i think they would have to do if they were to release this they'd really have to go all in um which i'm worried they wouldn't so i don't i don't know we'll see but it's pokemon it sells yeah we'll see true people would buy it regardless even if they did a shoddy job so <laughs> yeah <definitely>. really cares? <laughs> um so my final pick bally is another gamecube choice uh it is a series i've been curious in for a very long time and neither of us have dipped into i, I know what you're um, gonna say okay uh it's chibi robo uh that's not what i thought you were gonna say what did you think i was gonna say (laughs) beyond good and evil oh man well you know that would make a lot of sense as well considering that uh the rumor of the uh the sequel is coming it would actually make a lot of sense but chibi robo as a first party nintendo uh franchise is a really interesting concept for a game uh that i was always uh wanting to play and just never picked up and unfortunately they kind of went the route of hey let's turn it into a 2d platformer with that 3ds game and both of us played the demo for that and we were like eh, not really into this and it didn't really get very good reviews but by all accounts the first game in the series on gamecube actually a really interesting cool little thing um and it really reminds me of uh, toy story 2 on ps1 uh with that kind of perspective of you being this small object or character in just a house which seems enormous um i just always like that idea of the perspective shift of the domestic setting but you're this tiny character um i think that there's a lot of interesting like unique 
gameplay things you can do with that and uh i don't really know what you do in chibi robo to be honest i haven't really looked into it that much but it, it seems like a thing that i'd be uh you know wanting to try out and i know that you'd probably want to play it as well it seems like a thing that's right up your alley as well bali yeah it's one of those games i'm very intrigued by and i can add to a long list that i'd like to try at some point and you know the first step of me being intrigued to try it is it having to come to the virtual console so absolutely let's see it happen nintendo has to get their shit together and actually put stuff out um which yeah maybe they will uh, are there any other, like, maybe honourable mentions, Ballet, you want to throw out there? Anything else that you thought of? Yeah, that, I mean, uh, you mentioned Beyond Good and Evil. Um, that'd be great, I, yeah. I, we also sort of spitballed into talking about episode one Pod Racer. That, yeah, that's exactly. A, that's a game. Um, uh, any Star Wars things good? I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, do, 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 do. I can save you and tell you that I would like to see WarioWare Twisted on this oh, console. Oh, boy. Um, Warrior were twisted, especially great. for Europeans who never got to play it. Because for whatever weird reason, Bally, both of us own a copy of Warrior were twisted. It's to do with the technology that's in the system. It's to do with selling the mercury that apparently yes. um, there's some regulation uh, in mm-hmm. Europe that bans it, whereas it's not banned in the US. Yeah, uh, but f- through weird circumstances, both of us were in America during and the just period. Bought it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in which this game was out, and we both bought a copy. I remember I was at my cousin's house in Boston, and I ordered a bunch of video games off Amazon so they could get delivered to their house, including the first Ace Attorney, um, including oh, Cooking nice. Mama, which I bought for you, Cooking and including uh, Trauma Team, which I got for our friend Ali T. Uh, I remember like giving you guys those games and be like, "Yeah, this oh, yeah. is." These cool like um, things that uh, you know, these weird uh, DS games that had like different career paths down them. Uh, mm. Funny that I gave Trauma Team to Ali T, considering his situation right now and doing medicine, uh, <laughs> which is very interesting. Uh, but yeah, those those would all be very very cool. Um, and uh, and yeah yeah, so Twisted was uh, what we we're talking about. Yeah, Twisted is is the game that you can use because the switch has gyro in it so it makes sense and uh it would yeah just require a little bit of uh fixing and it would work um and then the the other one that i would uh talk about would be tales of symphonia which although i could play it on steam if i wanted to um namco bandai bandai namco they fucked up the steam release of that and it runs at bad frame rate and it has terrible things going on with it and it's all fucked up so if they actually released a competent version of symphonia the gamecube version which actually runs at 60 surprisingly Mm. it's the only version of that game that does which is insane uh then yeah i'd like to play on switch especially because it's another rpg so uh did you get to think of anything else bally or or you all fucking no, I'm, I'm all I'm all retroed out, you know. I mean, I'm just pumped for this switch to come. That's all I'm thinking about. Really. <laughs> How about a bit of Mario Sunshine in there? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion, the obvious big GameCube hitters that uh, that I'd like to see. Um, I would even pick up Metroid Prime again, you know, even though I've bought it twice. You're a fucking <laughs> like, sucker. Like, the, You're the reason, game, Bali, that we get fucked around with I virtual know, console. I know, I know. But yeah, how about Terrible. we wrap up? Uh, we should indeed. All right, uh, so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you would like to find us in various places, you can do so. Bali, where can people find you? Please find me on Twitter. I'm at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. That's also my name on the Miiverse. 
Uh, you can find me at LordNBZ on the Twitters, also my Meverse name. You can find uh, the podcast at TNL Podcast on Twitter, always the best place to go for all the updates and all the news. Uh, you can email us at our email address, which is Bally. This Nintendo Life at gmail.com. That is this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. Please send in your emails. And I should add to you, MBZ, that the Twitter pod, the podcast Twitter, the Twitter podcast, the podcast Twitter at TNL Podcast is the best place to go to see all the links to our, our new YouTube channel. I say new, it it's, a, it's, a, it's a few months old now, but we've got two new series on the go. We've got RIP Wii U, where we're going back and playing a bunch of Wii U classics each week before the Switch comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. And we also just launched our next Let's Play which is my favourite game of all time, uh, The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And we are, of course, playing the HD version on the Wii U, and it looks glorious. So check that out every week, Wind Waker. Yeah, it's a fun thing to do. It's a game that has a sordid history with Bally and myself uh, playing it together. So it's fun to get back into doing that, this time with me playing. And we're going to finish it. We're going to finish well, it. Well, mm, yeah. Mm, I'm not sure I've told you about my history with Zelda games, Rally, and recording them, but, you know, might be in for a, a bad surprise. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, everything will go smoothly. Uh, where you can be found in various places, uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes, you can find us on Stitcher. If you want to just go directly to where the podcast is uploaded, you can find us on Shout Engine. Uh, that's a place to go. Um, and we would love you to review us on iTunes because that's a great place for discovery and for people to find the show. And in fact, we recently had a new review, Bali, and you have it to hand. So how about you read that out? I have a review from The Bead who says, Fantastic podcast. I've been listening to this Nintendo Life podcast for a little over a year now. And let me tell you, it's been an absolute treat. MBZ and Bally are very knowledgeable about Nintendo and all things gaming. They aren't afraid to speak their mind and provide excellent discussions and commentaries about Nintendo and games they've been playing recently. To go along with this, their YouTube channel is fantastic and is definitely worth checking out as well. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much for that review. It's very kind, and uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, We always say, don't shower us with gifts. Give us reviews. That's the best way to make us happy. Oh, boy. We love uh, it. It always uh, pushes us uh, further into more people's uh, downloads, uh, and then we can get a more engaged show, more people writing emails, all that fun stuff. it's, it's great to have a good listenership, and we have a very good one. So appreciate all of you, um, and I believe that's everything, Bali. Is there anything else we need to plug before we get on out of here? Oh, yeah, there's a little thing called the Switch coming out fairly soon. So We don't um, need to plug just the reminding Switch. People Nintendo to be can market that it. thing for themselves. <laughs> it's pretty hype. Um, I'd, I'd highly recommend it, but yeah. Okay, well, uh, with that, everyone, thank you again for listening. Uh, We'll be back again in a couple of weeks' time with some more video game nonsense. Until then, thank you and goodbye. interludes used on today's show were a cover of Clock Down from Majora's Mask and a cover of Over the Sorrow from Dragon Quest VIII.